What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of The Transition, a show aimed at demystifying the entrepreneur experience for those of you looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Mike Stedman, a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Labs team. In the following episode, I interview Andres Stover, a Marine Corps veteran, sommelier, and founder of Wine with Friends, a wine education and events company that provides extraordinary wine tasting experiences. Serving both consumers and corporate clients, Wine with Friends helps those seeking to create meaningful engagement with friends or customers through unique wine events. As a certified sommelier, Andrea is a trained and knowledgeable wine professional who specializes in all aspects of wine service, as well as wine and food pairing. After hosting wine events for friends and family over the years, she launched a venture that will allow her to share her passion with others. As a first-time entrepreneur, Andrea taught herself business, researching how to register her company, how to develop a business model, and figured out how to obtain and maintain clients through trial and error. She finally discovered her niche working with luxury apartments and clubs in the D.C. area before making a hard pivot to virtual events in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Like other small business owners, she's adapting and overcoming, constantly updating her business model to accommodate a rapidly changing environment. If you have a passion and want to start a niche business to monetize it, you'll enjoy Andrea's story. I hope you enjoy this episode and that you're able to apply some lessons in your own entrepreneurial journey. Welcome to another edition of The Transition. In this episode, we're sitting down with Andrea Stover, owner and founder of Wine With Friends DC. What's going on, Andrea? All good things, Mike. How are you doing today? In the hustle, very much like yourself. Know it. Andrea, why don't you do us a favor and go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience. Hello, uh, my name is Andrea Stover. I am a Marine Corps veteran, but I'm also a sommelier, which means I'm really nerdy about wine. Uh, I am also the owner and founder of Wine With Friends DC. And what we do is provide wine tasting and education events to uh, both small and large groups to help them learn about wine and enjoy time with each other. Amazing. And uh, how's that going for you in the age of uh, COVID-19? <laughs> well, we have uh, had the opportunity to make some uh, some changes to, to shift our business model a little bit and uh, try and find the best way to combine uh, what I see as this really uh, incredibly uh, social and visceral experience of wine tasting and figure out how to take that virtual and still enjoy some of the things um, about how it helps bring people closer and uh, really allows you to actually enjoy this incredible beverage uh, of wine. So we've been working on that transition for uh, quite a few months now. That's good. And uh, wine sales are actually going up right now in the midst of uh, COVID. Anytime there's an economic crisis and hardships, the alcohol sales go up. That's that's what I hear. Yeah, it's uh, there's always a silver lining somewhere. So that's uh, that's what entrepreneurs do. Right. We find uh, we find that little space to be able to uh, to expand into. Yep. So you are a member of the We Work Veterans and Residents, correct? Yes. Uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us a little about your experience with that? All right. So uh, I, I didn't really know what I was getting into. I had a friend who had been in a previous cohort uh, and she kind of said, hey, if you're just starting out with a business, you know, this is a great opportunity 
to uh, to be able to kind of meet some folks who might be going through some similar challenges. And uh, you can build that same sense of community and teamwork that you had in the military, but in this case, in the business sphere. And so I applied, uh, I got in and it was, you know, pretty much exactly as as she described in terms of uh, we had this this cohort of about 10 of us. So all military veterans, um, all various types of businesses and in different stages. And we're all kind of going through it together, trying to figure out how do we take this new stage of our life uh, and, and really take the best of the lessons that we learned from the military and, and kind of use those to, to catapult us into being entrepreneurs and being successful in the business. So it was a, was a pretty cool experience. And how long have you had your business now? About uh, a year and a half now, coming up on two years, actually, this fall. Is it what you expected or is it hard? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. It's a hustle. Trust me. I've I'm, I'm been is. there with you. You know, everybody gets these exciting ideas. We want to get out there and start our business, but it's such a grind. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. go ahead. Oh, uh, you know, I think I've I've read this or seen this somewhere, uh, you know, in the in the literature, um, but about that, that sort of um, phases of the entrepreneur. So you start out, you decide that you're going to do it. You kind of like jump off the cliff and you're like, I'm all in, I'm doing this. It's, it's great. It's crazy. Everything's new. It's exciting. You're learning. You've got all this hope and, and passion. And then you sort of meet reality and you're like, Whoa, this is, this is hard. There's, there's a million different decisions I have to make on a daily basis. Uh, and, and I, you know, was at maybe the top of my game in my previous career. And, and now I'm dealing with something where it's uh, completely shifting sands in unfamiliar territory. So you get that reality check. And, you know, I know that's where a lot of folks kind of fall off. But uh, those of us who are who are Marines, uh, who like nothing more than a crappy situation to slog our way through, you know, we, we kind of take that on board and say, I can do this and, and let me let me push through it. So. So it was definitely like that for uh, for a good uh, good bit, and um, you know, and then you kind of get your second wind, and you figure out, all right, I I've got some systems in place, I've I've got a you know product market fit, or I've got a business model that works, and then you just start entrenching that, you start growing it, you start trying to see how you can uh, how you can build a foundation to be able to to establish something for the long term. So that's that's kind of where I was at when uh, when covid hit and so now now it's back to uh improvise and adapt and overcome phase. Yep. And so I'm this helps us go into a, a question I want to ask for you because so many of our listeners out there, particularly veterans and uh, military spouses, they have an idea for a passion project or a venture they want to launch. And when they see people like me and you living our dream, you know, it can seem like we're larger than life. So what I'm asking you now to do a little bit is uh, just take off your own, take off your armor for our audience out there and let them know something you're struggling with as a small business owner in the midst of a global pandemic. <laughs> oh, I don't even have to get to the global pandemic to, to talk about the struggles. Um, I mean, the one thing that hit me right away was just this sense of being completely new and completely out of my depth. So again, you know, just coming from the military where you, you know, at the point in the, my career that I uh, was at, I, you know, I was pretty comfortable and confident of, of my ability to meet any situation and figure it out. It wasn't easy, but I, but I at least kind of knew how the game worked, uh, you know, and then jumping into starting your own business. It was, it was really 
I guess, um, kind of a gut check to say, wow, you know, you, you had a vision of how successful you were going to be able to be and how quickly based on previous successes that you've had, but those were successes that maybe were, you know, 20 years in the making throughout a career in the military, in the Marine Corps, doing very similar things. And so I think I had a, um, an overly optimistic idea of how, uh, easy it would be to to be an entrepreneur and to just um, figure it out quickly and, and make it work so that was that was definitely one uh, you know one one moment where I was like wow yeah this is a this is a different game this is it's a different world yeah half the battle of being an entrepreneur at least in my opinion is just staying alive and a lot of people don't talk about that but the longer you're in the game, the sharper you get and your business acumen grows. And, but you don't know that when you're jumping into it, especially when you jump, you know, head first and you're just excited, you quit your job, you liquidate your savings. And then, you know, two years later, you're like, I didn't realize this would be so hard. And I don't even know. Sometimes you ask yourself though, like if you knew it would have been, if you knew it was this hard, would you have done it? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And it's almost like when you join the military too, you know, it's like when you want to join the Marine Corps, nobody's talking you out of it. <laughs> You know, you are a true believer. You're joining. But when you're ready to get out, man, you're getting out. Um, and I think business ownership is like the same way. But it's fun. It's a blessing and a curse. And at least we get to, you know, create and leave our mark on the world to say. Yeah, you, you are so right. That is uh, this very, very much the experience that I had. So as we keep moving uh, with our interview, I want to do a quick shout out to our sponsors. First, let's give a shout out to Bunker Labs, a national network of veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs dedicated to helping the military connected community start their own businesses. We're committed to seeing that every entrepreneur in the military connected community has the network, tools and resources they need to start their own business. 25% of transitioning service members want to start a business and they need places inside their community where they can go, where they can connect with people, resources and support they need to start and grow their businesses. We're, we're here for them. Learn more by visiting www.bunkerlabs.org. This show is also brought to you by Bunker Online, our social network for the military-connected community where Bunker's Lab staff helps make connections to increase your opportunities. Register today at www.bunkeronline.org. All right, Andrea, let's go back. Let's get back into our interview. Um, let's t tell us about your transition from the military. Okay, so um, so like I said, I was uh, I, I, I was in the reserve, so I had had many experiences transitioning, but I had never actually started a real uh, quote unquote civilian career. So I had always maybe taken a you know month off here or there to go back to school, um, maybe get a part time job, but but I hadn't decided what my next phase was going to be. And so as I was coming up on, uh, on the end of my, um, military career, you know, I, I kind of, I took a month, uh, after my last set of orders ended and I, and I said, what, what do I want to do with my life? And I had, uh, three options. One was get a, get a job. One was write a book and the other was start a business. And <clears throat> I just, uh, I just did some, you know, I did try to do the pro and cons and be all, um, uh, you know, data uh, informed about it. And in the end, I just kind of made the gut, the gut decision that what am I most excited about? Uh, and so I had been thinking about starting this wine business for, for a while, kicking around the idea. Um, I was already a sommelier. I had, uh, been, 
been kind of teaching my friends and family and doing wine presentations for them uh, just for fun. And, you know, the idea had uh, been suggested, well, why don't you, why don't you actually charge people to do this? So that was the kind of the, the nucleus of this, uh, this idea. And uh, I spent some time thinking about how I could potentially turn it into a business. So within a month of, uh, of, of leaving orders, I researched how to start a company and formed the LLC and started writing the business plan and uh, watched a website and then, uh, then really tried to figure out how do I actually get customers. I think that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with that. Um, you know, it's like you have this great idea, but now you got to go out and get sales. And sometimes we spend so much time marketing our product or our service. We don't spend enough time getting people to actually pay us for that product or service. So uh, you're, fi- you're facing something that a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, myself included, uh, run headfirst into. So I want to I want to do a little deep dive into this wine thing. I know you say it casually like, oh, yeah, sommelier, but that's a pretty <laughs> hard thing to do. And how did you do that with the military? Was this before you joined the Marine Corps or, or after? Or it, uh, was, sorry. Uh, yeah. it was actually in uh, after I had transitioned to the reserves, um, I did a couple of deployments to Afghanistan and decided I wanted to, to do something fun uh, after that. Actually, those deployments were pretty fun. But I uh, wanted to do something fun in a different vein. And and so I, you know, I was already into wine. I love to travel, love good food, um, kind of got the wine bug. And I found out about this intensive sommelier training course at the New York uh, Culinary Institute. And I signed up and spent 10 weeks doing nothing but tasting and studying wine. And then uh, went through the testing to become a certified sommelier. And so that process was 10 weeks? 10 weeks for uh, the intensive sommelier training. There are, there are quite a few ways that you can uh, become a sommelier, but uh, that just happens to be the, the structured program that I went through. There's a lot of people don't make it through that program, if I'm not mistaken. The, the testing uh, in particular is, is pretty challenging. Um, at the certified level, I think it's maybe a 70% pass rate. Uh, and then, uh, the, you know, as you advance from there, it really drops off. Uh, I think, you know, total number of master sommeliers in the, in the world is, um, you know, less than, uh, less than three or 400. That's amazing. Congratulations on that. That's a, I mean, you're already a Marine, so that's, that's awesome enough. You went to Harvard, you're a sommelier, you're going to be able to launch this business successfully, <laughs> relaunch this business. We're going to get into that because I want to give away too All many right. details, but uh, I'm excited about wine, wine with friends. Tell us about that for our audience. And, you know, a lot of times for military veterans, we want to start businesses, but we don't even know where to begin. And can you peel back the layers for that and demystify it for us? Not the whole like, oh, I raised a bunch of money. Then I launched my venture. I want to know like, yo, I got a Squarespace website. You know, we got in there. I took a hundred dollars, you know, just, just let our audience know literally how you're able to bring this vision to life. Yeah, absolutely. That was, uh, so, so the idea, I love wine. I want to share wine. It grew out of that. Um, and I had the basic, what service I would provide based on what I had been doing with my friends. So I'll bring in some wine, uh, folks will bring their friends over and we'll have a little, a little party and I'll talk about the wine and, and folks will get to taste it. And then, you know, wouldn't it be cool if after they tasted it, they could also buy it. So that was, that was the basic idea behind the business. And so when it came to implementing it, um, you know, I had to work through things like, well, 
I'm going to need a liquor license. So how, how do I get one of those? How do I find uh, the actual um, place that I'm legally allowed to store the wine? How am I, uh, what kind of legal and insurance requirements uh, are associated with this business? So the, the initial vision that I was going to be able to serve multiple states and have, uh, have a, have a big franchisable business uh, was, was probably a little bit of an overestimate just based on all the unique intricacies of the state-driven liquor laws. So that was a big, uh, big learning for, uh, point for me initially. Um, and even just trying to navigate the difference between having a business with a physical location, so I didn't have a storefront. I, my location where I actually conduct my wine tastings is the customer's home or business. Uh, and so trying to work with the, um, uh, the folks who, uh, you know, give business licenses or who will approve, uh, your, your applications and explain this model that didn't necessarily exist, uh, was even a, was even a challenge. It wasn't a cookie cutter business that I could just point to something and say, yep, it fits in this category. Um, so there was a, a lot of, uh, interaction with the, the DC organizations that, that, uh, you know, allow you to, to open a business, run a business. Uh, and, and it, it was, it was a, you know, conversation about, Hey, this is what I'm trying to do. How can I, how can I make this work? Uh, and I, and I was, I did choose to do all that on my own, uh, not hire, hire a lawyer, or hire a service or hire any kind of organization to, to do that for me. I actually use all of the resources that were available through the DC mayor's office of veterans affairs through, uh, you know, organizations like Bunker Labs and and just uh, SCORE was another organization I used. Um, so I tried to take advantage of all of the free resources that were out there to figure out how to how to do it uh, myself. And, and part of that was just because I wanted to learn. Um, and, and of course, part of it was I was, I was trying to do it on, the, on a shoestring budget. Yeah. When you first started, uh, you know, one thing we all a lot of entrepreneurs deal with is like that imposter syndrome. I know I kind of went through it myself too. It's like, am I really a business owner? Cause I teach, ver- I teach boxing classes. That's how I made my money. Um, and I remember my first event was a dry hole, you know, like I had the boxing class book. They booked me at like a 6 PM on a Friday night. It was a demo, you know, so I didn't charge them for it and nobody showed up. And I was just like, wow, this is a start to my entrepreneurial journey. Is this really it? Um, but you know, now I do like nine upwards of nine classes a week, you know, it pays the bills. Um, did you experience anything similar to that when you first started? Oh, absolutely. So because I had had such a great response, uh, you know, and this is the difference between doing market research and asking your friends, um, but because I had had such a great response with, with my friends and family and everyone I talked to about, Hey, this is what I'm trying to do. They're like, that's amazing. You know, I would totally do that. My wife would totally do that. My girlfriend would totally do that. I thought when I put up my website and I hung out my shingle, you know, that I would just, the, the business would be, be there. Um, and, and I even was so worried about the way that I set up my business that I wanted to make sure that I had a way that folks could actually uh, click and buy or click and book a tasting uh, right from the website and not have to go back and forth in a negotiation like you, you typically do when you book a catering service or something like that. I wanted it to be you know that easy because I thought you know, folks are just going to want this. And they're not going to want to spend all the time to figure it out. They're going to be like, what are we doing Friday night? Let's have a wine party. Um, you know, and yep. so I had that exact same experience where I'm sort of like, all right, where's, uh, where's all the, where are all the bookings? Um, 
yeah, that was that was a definitely a humbling uh, moment to to think about. Oh, I might have to get the word out, or I might have to figure out how do I make people comfortable with this idea. Um, so so then I started to learn about marketing. When did you feel like you had a legitimate business? When did you feel like you made that transition from like? okay, just kind of hustling. This doesn't feel real, but now I've kind of got the hang of it. I'm able to generate a little bit of revenue coming in. So that was, uh, you know, in about year, about, I'd say about the, the 13 or 14 month, uh, month mark where I actually started to get some, um, some bigger clients in terms of, of actual uh, residential apartment buildings or uh, luxury gyms or, or places where, you know, I, it was a, uh, an organization that had that need to do entertainment and that had the budget for it. And that was willing to make regular commitments to, to be able to have, uh, these types of events. So, so really my, the switch from my original idea, which was, was kind of boutique in home wine tastings to the still boutique, uh, wine tastings, but, but now, something that you're providing for an entire apartment building or that you're providing for, you know, a, a group of members for a club or for a gym or something like that. Um, that was when I really felt like a business, uh, when, when I had consistent clients uh, that I could count on over time to, to, start, to build something around. Once you got up and rolling, were you still doing that? Were you doing it full time? Did you have a side gig? I mean, how were you able to pay the bills while you were launching this wine business? So perhaps foolishly, uh, I, and this is just knowing myself, I didn't do, uh, what, what is often recommended to do, which is keep your day job and, and, you know, work it as a side hustle until you figure it out. I, I just personally, uh, am, am better when I can focus ex exclusively on one thing. So what I had done is I had actually saved enough money to be able to live for a year, um, to pay all my personal expenses and, you know, living very austerely, but nevertheless, uh, to try to get the business up and running to the point where we would actually be able to generate enough income to sustain me in, in my lifestyle. So that's how I did it. I didn't actually have a, a job in the time when I was, um, when I was building the business initially. Um, but I did, but I did learn that it didn't take off as quickly as I was hoping. Um, and, and so, you know, I was able fortunately to, to do some, um, reserve, uh, pick up some reserve work through the Marine Corps. Um, so that was, um, that, that was a way to help make ends meet as, as I was continuing to build it. I wish that was something a lot more entrepreneurs were made aware of. I know we're sold these stories of like, jump all in, you know, start your venture. And I did it. I liquidated my savings. I did all that. But at the same time, it's like, you start meeting other entrepreneurs. They're like, yeah, I do consulting. Yeah, I do this. Yeah, I do that. You know, they cover their bills because it just takes time to grow. And I can speak to this too, is like when you have your bases covered, when you can like have food and rent, like you can actually focus on the business. It's really hard to be able to do those things when you're worried about that. You know, like, how am I going to feed myself tonight? So for all you entrepreneurs out there listening, if you've got two, three multiple side hustles, we call that the third shift entrepreneur. Don't, don't feel ashamed, right? Don't feel like an imposter. That's the way it's done. And honestly, I feel like that's the way a lot of pros do it. They're just not going to tell you. You know, they're doing all kinds of stuff to bring in that, that revenue and, and pay their bills. Oh yeah. That even just, uh, you know, starting with the bunker labs, I was kind of like, wait, you guys all have other jobs. I, I thought we were supposed to like, 
just be entrepreneurs or just be, be in it. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know that I would do it any differently. Um, j- just for me, cause I think I needed that, that energy of being a hundred percent invested. Uh, but you know, when you're, when you're trying to figure out how you keep the, your bases covered, so you're not stressing and you can devote your, your mental energy to your business, the, the type of job that you have, uh, is very important. So in terms of if, you, if you're in a job that demands an incredible amount of energy and, and is really stressful for you already and has really long hours, obviously it's going to make it um, incredibly difficult to do that side side hustle unless it's your, your, I mean, you've got a passion like you wouldn't believe. So I think, you know, there's also the option to transition to a different line of work that is, you know, that is something that is going to cover your your bases, but, but not necessarily be as demanding and, and suck up all of your time and energy because then you just won't have it to dedicate to your business. Um, but I love what you said about the time. I, you know, I think that is one of the biggest myths that, you know, we see the overnight success stories, or we just assume that, you know, this person came out of nowhere and, and really they've been working at it and they've been grinding for 10 years. And, and, and that is something I, you know, I'm just really starting to realize um, that, that the expectation that you would start a business and a year later, you know, have, have something that's, you know, successful and viable is, is almost unheard of. Um, so, so yeah, that just stick with it. Yeah. I don't think we have enough honest conversations about that because in my entrepreneurial experience, I mean, if you're, you're probably similar to me, this is like our first kind of like real venture, you know, like I had another brand prior to this, but my brand Ironbound is like my first one all in eat what you kill, pay your bills kind of venture. But as I come across entrepreneurs that are what we would call successful, you know, as they've kind of grown their business to like multiple employees or it scaled it, whatever. One thing I've come across is that so many of them had like multiple businesses before the one that hit, you know, that they had a lot of failures and to get to where they are now. But a lot of people don't talk about that. And that's why at Bunker Labs, you know, we really want the veterans and entrepreneurs, the veterans, military spouse to put, to put themselves out there and get started, you know, I think people hold on to their ventures. They're, it's like their baby. You know, it's like they don't want to tell anybody. They keep talking about doing it. But you don't know what you don't know. Just like you mentioned before about, oh, I'll just put up the website and we'll be ready to go. And then <laughs> lo and behold, like nobody's clicking the site. It's like, oh, wow, I got to actually get out there and make some contact. Yeah, no, 100 percent. And I think that the other thing that, you know, is kind of hard to talk about is you you want to have this idea that like, you want to set an audacious goal and you, you want to say, Hey, this, I am going to make this business successful and it's going to be amazing. And so, you know, we're used to like trying to do the impossible in the Marine Corps, in the military. So we're, we're kind of like, like I am going to make this thing work. And, you know, because it would seem like you were maybe selling yourself short if you said, well, this is just going to be my starter business or my learning business or, or, you know, the business where I make all the mistakes, uh, you know, where, where I'm probably going to fail. Like it's, it's hard to figure out, like, how do you go in with that a hundred percent, uh, mindset and be completely invested to try to make it, make it successful, but then be okay. When, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you're, you're like 99% of, uh, you know, of, of the rest of entrepreneurs and it, it, it doesn't work out or you have to pivot or it takes a lot longer than you expect. So that's a, that's an interesting psychological position to be in. How hard was it for you to deal with failure with your business from a mental perspective? 
because you're a high performer. You know, Harvard, Marines, you know, Smollier. And then you kind of get into this wild west of like business ownership. And you're just like, I just can't get ahead. Yeah, no, you nailed it. Like I, I, you know, exactly. I wasn't afraid to fail. Like I said, you know, I just like, I'm like, I'm going to do this. Let's start a business. We'll see how it goes. Uh, But then when I started to see, oh, like the, uh, the imposter syndrome kicks in and you're like, am I a real business owner? Am I, do I just have a hobby that, you know, I spent a little bit more money on than you should you know, and then you're, you know, there's just, I, I, I felt almost this pressure to like try and talk about my business. Like it was more successful than it was because I was embarrassed, you know, cause I, I wanted to, to be as successful at my business as, you know, I, I have been in, uh, in other walks of life. So I think having the honest conversation, uh, about success is getting a little bit better, uh, or success is not giving up success is keeping the keeping, uh, at it, you know, versus successes. I'm, I'm a multimillionaire in, in year two. How about your friends and family? Were they supportive of your wine hustle? Was it get a real job? I mean, what kind of feedback were you getting from your, your peers outside entrepreneurship? <laughs> yeah. Well, the fortunate thing about being in the wine business is that friends and family are generally pretty supportive because they're like, yeah, even if you fail, at least we get some, uh, some cheap wine. So that, that <laughs> I had that going for me. But um, no, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really fortunate to have an incredibly um, supportive, significant other, you know, my friends, my family uh, were super excited for me. And, and I have um, some good friends from college who are also doing um, entrepreneurial ventures. So I was able to learn from them. Having the Bunker Labs community of support, you know, was, was fantastic. So I, I was really fortunate. I did not have anyone telling me what are you doing? This is a mistake. You can't do this. How are you going to make this work? Mm. So, so I know that's a lucky position to be in. Yeah. It must be nice. That's one of the things I appreciate about bunker labs, because I think for us as entrepreneurs, unless people we're talking to people frequently, they're not really in the know, you know? So if you're only talking to people every few months or whatever, versus like your cohort with the VIR or people meeting the bunker labs network, you know, they're very intimate with the challenges you're facing. But when I like told my friends, like, yeah, I quit my job to go to ironbound. It's like, Hey man, are you okay? You should really think <laughs> through this. And everybody at Bunker Labs was like, congrats, man. You know, cause it's like, we all want to, so many entrepreneurs want to do that. You know, they want to eat what they kill. They want to get out there in the wild west, but so many people are scared to actually take that leap and do it. Totally. So talk to us about your future plans for your business. I know we jumped on the pre-call a little bit, you've got hit with the pandemic and COVID-19 and this just really put a hamper on your previous business plans and you're, you're, you're having to pivot or in the midst of a pivot. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, it, it was really, really hard for two reasons. One, you know, we had just, I say we, it's, it's just me. We, we had just started to, kind of hit that stride where we've got repeat customers, the business model's working, I'm, I'm making, um, you know, sustainable recurring revenue. And, you know, I was like, I think this can work. This is awesome. Um, and then, and then, and then COVID hit. So it was frustrating from that standpoint to think I had just figured it out and now I got to figure it out again. Um, and, and the other part that was hard is the reason I, I started the company. The reason I'm, I'm doing this is because I really like the way that wine actually brings people together in person. And so I went through a period where I was like, well, if I can't 
do the thing that is the whole reason for this to get people to, to, you know, see each other face to face and enjoy this beverage that you can only enjoy if you're smelling it, tasting it, you know, what's the point. So I really had to think, um, you know, for a bit, you know, is this, is this no longer, is this no longer the business that I, that I want to have, you know, and ultimately I decided, well, you're one, you know, things will, will get back to some version where we're able to spend time, uh, you know, in each other's company in person, but also you're still bringing people together. Even if there's a virtual component to it, you're still, uh, kind of enabling people to get, um, to get that experience of tasting the wine in a different way that brings in the history, that brings in the culture, that brings in all of their senses, uh, that, that, that lights up the intellectual component that wine brings and the visceral, visceral component. You can still do that virtually. Um, and so I decided, you know, even though we couldn't do it face to face for a bit, you know, I was going to try the, the virtual model. So that is uh, the pivot that I've made right now where we're hosting both the, the large scale private events for some of our core customers and then the smaller events for groups of friends who, you know, are, are uh, maybe instead of doing that, that zoom happy hour, uh, they actually do a, a zoom wine tasting amongst um, different groups of friends. And then I'll, I'll get on and I'll, everyone will have the same wine and then we'll, we'll talk about it and uh, we'll, we'll kind of, do the the same thing that I would do if we were in person. And what I think is cool about that is you get to, you know, even if you're not physically in the same place as, as those friends, you're drinking the same wine. And so you can be having a conversation about how this wine tastes to you and you're sharing some sort of physical experience, even if you're not located right next to each other. So I really like that aspect of it. Yeah. And I can relate to you as well. You know, when the pandemic started and we all went to virtual, like I really enjoy being inside a gym. You know, I'm a facilitator, right? I'm not Billy Blanks. You know, I don't teach Tybo. I don't like sweating on screen, you know, for people. Um, and I really do enjoy that human component of the interaction of the physical boxing and transitioning to virtual. It's like in the first part of the pandemic, it's like, okay, this is awesome. I can still pay my bills. I still have revenue coming in. But then you also have to ask yourself the question of like, is this what I kind of started my business for? And it kind of loses that sense of fun, you know, per se. Um, So then you have an option. Either do you keep doing that or you look for other ways, you know? Um, And so I I can 100% relate with you uh, going through those feelings and those motions. But, you know, that's a nice part about being a Marine is uh, we improvise, adapt and overcome. And I'm sure there's some silver lining there uh, with your business. Yeah. It, I mean, that's the way that I've tried to look at it. Like what, what can I, this is a, this is a challenge or it's an interesting problem to solve. How can I figure out how that I, how I can still retain everything that I love about that uh, in-person experience or my, my ability to, to connect with people and, and answer their questions and see that excitement when you actually you know, are able to articulate what you're tasting in the wine. Uh, how can I, I make that work virtually? So yeah, it's been, uh, you know, it's been just, just another way to try to figure out how, how to connect. So what are you doing day to day to kind of stay in the fight? Uh, I, I'm trying to figure out better ways to, to enhance the virtual experience. So, you know, what is, what is the best type of tasting that, that uh, we, we can do for a small group of friends. Um, 
So I spend about 50% of my time thinking about how do I refine the, the way that we teach, the way that we talk about wine, the way that we, I don't want to say orchestrate, but the way that you allow uh, the, the virtual interactions so that those conversations amongst friends can still be taking place and they can still feel like they're, they're sharing that moment, uh, you know, and, and telling the stories that the wine tasting reminds them of. How do you how do you allow some of that in the virtual environment? And then I spend the other half of time trying to figure out how do I um, how do I build the logistics system to support this? Because now you're not delivering wine to a single location, but you're delivering wine to ten uh, you know locations around the city, and, and it's a different uh, different business. Um, focus from a logistics standpoint, from a delivery standpoint, from a, from a legal standpoint. Just hearing you talk, it sounds like you've grown a lot in terms of business acumen. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I used to sit, you know, in, uh, even in our initial bunker lab cohort and I'd be like, feel like such a dummy because I didn't know these terms, you know, all the, all the business terms folks were throwing around. And I was like, am I the only one that I missed? Like, was there like a mini MBA that y'all went to? I, I, yeah. So, so I have learned, um, you know, a lot about the, the different systems and the different functions that are critical to have in a business. And I think that probably I would say that that is the part that I miss the most about the military, because you have this infrastructure, you have, this is the way that we do things. And it's great because you're going to encounter all the uncertainty, but at least, you know, you know, when you're, when you're giving someone a brief, these are the key things that you have to cover. You, this is the computer system you're going to have to use because this is what we have. Uh, and then when you become an entrepreneur, every single thing that you do is a new decision. Every, every The way that you structure your business, the, the website provider that you choose, the way that you, you know, build your marketing funnel, the way that you... I mean, everything is a new decision in an area that you're not familiar with and everybody's trying to sell you something. So I found that tremendously difficult. Yeah, I took that for granted in the Marine Corps. You know, the TNR manual, the TNR manual, going to the TNR manual. For all my Marines out there, y'all know we got the pubs and everything else. <laughs> but like she said, when you're starting a business, you're like, what's our process for human resources and hiring people? You don't have one. You got to make it up and the market and stuff. And I will tell you, I suck at that, right? Like that is not my forte. And it is a pain trying to figure out how to do it on the fly. I remember even struggling to send invoices, yeah, <laughs> there's like all this back end that goes so into many. having a business and it's such a hustle, but you have to grind and you have to work and it is possible. And uh, Andrea, you and I have we're kindred spirits because we have passion projects to us. It's not about just teaching boxing or, you know, selling wine. It's about sharing a passion we have with other people all across the yeah. country, all across the world now with virtual. So uh, I applaud you for that. And I can definitely relate with you. What words of encouragement would you have for our audience out there who's interested in taking their big leap to launch their own venture, um, but are scared or don't really know where to begin or, you know, in the, the early stages of it, what kind of advice would you have for them as someone who's in the fight currently? Uh, the most important thing that, that you can do that you can decide is that you're going to keep going there. That is the, only thing I think that has sustained me in moments where I was like, what am I doing? I don't know. You know, I'm, I don't, I don't know how to do this. I'm not good at this. This is, this isn't going to work out. If you decide that you are going to keep going, 
that will alone make you successful because you will figure out a way to continue to move forward. Um, and just having that knowledge that if I keep going, if I, if I keep taking the next step, if I figure out, you know, how to get, you know, if I run out of money, if I figure out how to do something and to, to get a little bit more in, if, if my first product flops, if I put out my website, and nobody, nobody, uh, shows up, you know, we'll all figure out a way to, to bring more traffic. So to me, that that's that's really the only thing that matters. It's not about the perfect idea. It's not about how much uh, you know funding you have. It, it's about your decision that you are actually going to stick with it. And and I think you know if if you are willing to do that, you you can make it. How influential has it been having a support network of other entrepreneurs around you? I think it's key because unless and you kind of alluded to this before, unless you're actually going through it. People don't know, right? I mean, you know, we felt we felt like that maybe in the military too, where where you'll get this armchair advice from someone who's uh, you know seen a, a YouTube clip or, or read a, read a book um, or, or listened to Steve Jobs, and you know they'll have all these ideas for you about how you can uh, you know how you can be a successful entrepreneur, and and you're kind of just saying like they don't know, like they don't know how many different websites uh, you know I've had to research and how long it takes to actually put this product like into this stupid format, you know, just little things. Um, those other entrepreneurs, they get it and you're not going to have the exact same experience. So the things that you figured out, you can share with them and the things that they've figured out, they can share with you. So I think it's, it's really, really helpful to have uh, folks who have, have kind of gone through the same things. Yeah. Getting that, getting that support network, man, is so crucial, especially in the midst of, you know, I mean, life happens, right? Like, you know, whether it's breakups and deaths and, you know, pandemics, right? It's always something come around the corner and you need people that you can lean on and uh, go to and uh, pick their brains on as well, as far as just kind of how to, how to move while keeping your business alive, you know, and staying strong, both mentally, physically, and spiritually. And I think that's the power of the veteran network. Um, at least I've experienced just being able to come together and, you know, relate with people. And that's one of the things I enjoy about Bunker Labs, just being around other veterans. Um, because I know for a lot of us, when we transition out, not many people know that programs like this exist, you know, to kind of help them get going and, you know, launch their ventures. Definitely. Yeah. And, and it is such a supportive community. You know, I think that's, if you think of business as this cutthroat world where everybody's trying to to steal trade secrets and, and underprice, uh, you know, the veteran community is not like that. So, I mean, the amount of people that are going to want to want to you know give you a shout out or promote you, uh, you know, or or offer you some business if they hear about something, just because you're a veteran, just because um, you know you share that common bond and that common history, that that's incredible too, and it really it really makes the you know quote unquote business world seem less, uh, you know, less intimidating and less, um, fiercely cutthroat competitive. Yep. Absolutely. So Andrea, you got any save rounds for our audience? I know you'll like that uh, as a Marine save rounds. Yep. Yeah. All I, all I can say is it's been a pleasure talking to you, Mike. Um, you know, I, we're doing this on Zoom, even though it's only going to be a podcast. But if y'all could see it uh, in the audience, you would see me uh, violently nodding my head to everything that Mike says, because, you know, we, we have such a shared experience and we're kind of laughing at, uh, at some of these trials and tribulations that we've both gone through. So I, I'm really excited to, uh, you know, to be able to share this with the, the broader community as well. 
No, we're excited to have you. Where can people find you? www.winewithfriendsdc.com And Instagram, correct? Yep. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us, Andrea. And for those of you out there listening, be sure to subscribe to The Transition on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever listening service you're using today, and uh, leave us a review. If you want to get plugged into the Bunker Labs ecosystem, visit www.bunkerlabs.org, select the city nearest to you, sign up for the local local newsletter, and attend a Bunker Brews, our premier networking event, and meet your city leaders. It's that simple. From there, be sure to get connected at bunkeronline.org, where you can learn about our many different programs to support your entrepreneurial journey. We have programs that will take you from idea to invoice, incubate you, and position you to grow alongside other founders and CEOs. We are here to support. So thank you again, Andrea, and have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Mike. Cheers. Cheers.